Draft Week is finally upon us today. I'll come through the latest news and market movement with Connor Allen, Scott Smith. I'll touch on the movement in the positional over-under market, look at both some team-to-draft player stuff, team-to-draft position stuff, and we finally have an Aaron Rodgers trade. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Brian Noonan, joined here, as always, by Connor Allen, Scott Smith. Uh, we're going to jump into it and just lots of news. And we just before we set to come on and we had this set ahead of time, we get the breaking Aaron Rodgers news, Connor. Uh, you want to let folks know what's going on finally with the uh, trade that was inevitable and now has finally happened. Yeah, no, so the, the official trade uh, just went through. It looks like the main point there was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, uh, obviously is now on the Jets, but swapped picks 13 and 15. And I think that's the major implication there for the NFL draft uh, specifically. So now the Packers have picked 13, the Jets have picked 15. My immediate thoughts and where I messaged you guys was, and we just go right off the horn here, was Broderick Jones, his over-under was a 13 and a half and 14 and a half play on the book. Uh, Rich, I don't know, Samini, Chimini or whatever it is, uh, the Jets reporter said that the Jets were focusing in on Broderick Jones. We've seen multiple other tweets suggesting that the uh, Jets are focused on offensive linemen. So kind of looking at all this draft board is my immediate inclination. And I hit the over right away. Um, and I still, I think would take it at 14 and a half, 13 and a half. Now, I don't know. I know Scott, you suggested that maybe the Packers could be in on a guy like uh, Brad at 13. I think they could have options like Lucas Van Ness, maybe miles Murphy, maybe a couple other guys on the defensive line. I mean, any thoughts on this right off the top here? Yeah, I think whenever you start looking at at Green Bay and, and the trait based, uh, you know, way that they draft, um, Broderick Jones would fit within some of what they do. I, I tend to think that they are looking at at, at one of a, a couple of other players, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Miles Murphy, and Lucas Van Ness are, are the ones that I'm more leaning to um, when it comes to Broderick Jones in particular. My model that mixes in both like consensus big boards and, and mock drafts across the industry has Broderick Jones sitting at 14.1 right now, which is is right in that 14 and a half uh, threshold. I think with this movement, Broderick Jones has kind of been the chalk for the for the Jets across all mock drafts. Um, I still think it's a good play sitting there at, at four, over 14 and a half. I think uh, the Jets are still in play and out. Um, and, and there's there's other there's other tackles that could be on the board still. Skaronsky kind of projects more to a guard. Uh, I tend to think that he would be in play for uh, the Jets should he fall down. So there's still some other players that could push Broderick Jones further down the board as well. And New England's right there too. I still suspect that New England does not make that pick. Just, again, historical trends, need-based, That the fact that they have so many needs. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens. But I get how this works and this has kind of been how it works from jump is you basically have a match lit into a forest and there's news and there's reactionary news and um you know lines start to move pretty quickly so just based off of to i think scott's point there are a handful of tackles and it becomes really about positional or not positional needs but you know really team specific boards uh, and you can have a guy like you know anton harrison keeps moving his way up you know a team that wants a a tackle and maybe doesn't need the versatility that someone like uh, Skaronsky could offer. Like these guys are kind of all getting bunched in uh, all over the spot. So yeah, finally good to have that one off the boards. We, we knew it was coming. It's good to finally have the specifics around it. We didn't think that the first round picks would be in play, but you know, again, I think it is not nothing that those are 
in deal involved in the swap. Um, knowing, I think the Packers know that the Jets were kind of set to take an offensive lineman, and that offensive lineman is is in play as you know a long term answer uh, a tackle position for the Packers. So I don't think it's nothing that those were involved. Whereas you know I've seen already kind of instantly people are like, ah, oh, no big deal that those are you know involved. And I, I kind of disagree. No, for sure. I don't know. I mean, so is it, it's not strong enough for you guys to make it an official play, is it? I mean, I liked it. I played it personally. I was going to rip it in the Discord, but I wasn't sure, you know, how you guys felt. So I wanted to obviously figure we're coming out in three minutes. We could talk about it. <laughs> it looks like at this point, as we're discussing it, uh, we're looking at 14 and a half uh, minus 160 on DraftKings, minus 150 on DraftKings. We're looking at FanDuel minus 188 on 14 and a half. Uh, at that point, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's a little bit rich, but uh, I don't know. Scott, are you, you're kind of hemming and hawing, I think. And I think both of you guys are kind of on the fence. So probably don't want to lay that much juice on something like that. Then It's just one of those things where, where the, the number is right there to, towards what the projection is. And it's easy to see him fall on a pick, a pick ahead or a pick behind that. Um, so it, it's one of the things I, I, I'd definitely be on the fence about. And, and I might actually just wait and see if a little bit more movement in one direction or another comes about. But, uh, hey, shout out to uh, Green Bay and New York for actually getting this done before we come on the show rather than uh, Carolina and Chicago, what they've done to us. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, not fun for us. We had just finished recording it, you know, hour and a half show and been offline for maybe 30 minutes and the Chicago and Carolina deal finally went through. So. Or, you know, we'd all thought that Chicago was going to make a trade. Uh, yeah, so PBH is some 13 and a half. Check out yours. Obviously, some of those move a little bit slower than domestics. So definitely worth shopping for. And we get news like this. Some of this stuff could be so quick. And if you get anyone that's a little bit laggy, uh, take advantage. I would, again, if you're getting a good price on 13 and a half, I'd be interested. Uh, now that we're at 14 and a half with kind of where New England could do a number of things, uh, it's a it's a hold off for me. So. Uh, good for you, Connor, though, acting quick and, and getting on it uh, at the right time. So uh, I want to remind folks, again, betting subscription to 444 gets you access to all the picks, everything on the site. Go to 444.com slash plans. We've made it cheap for you if you want to get access to draft stuff. Again, we're only a couple days out, but we're going to be have lots of content uh, and hopefully a handful of picks here still to come here in the next uh, few days. We partner with one of our, uh, well, we've partnered with uh, a few different sites. You can go over to uh, Vivid Picks. Go to the App Store, download Vivid. It is a pick'em site. Uh, promo code four for four bet, and use uh, that promo code. Minimum deposit of five dollars, and you get a three month betting subscription. Again, just for five bucks. They'll match your deposit all the way up to two hundred, though. If you want to play very, you know, similar to other pick'em sites that you know out there, uh, Vivid is a good one. And O'Connor uh, crushed them <laughs> uh, all season long last year. They do have tackles as well, so I'm going to get in the Vivid streets uh, this season or, you know, cheap way for you to get access to all we have going on. So, uh, Connor, I'll start with you. You know, lots of different movement. Again, we talked about Will Levis quite a bit with uh, VR on Friday when we did our live mock. We've had some more reporting on that since that makes me feel a little bit better of it. Someone we've had a question to, like, we're really not getting anything from the mainstream media uh, around Levis. It's just kind of the betting markets that have really moved. You're not getting any concrete reports. Some of the same drum beats in terms of, hey, Houston's very comfortable going off board. They're going to go with one of the tackles uh, and address either the quarterback position at 12 or somewhere else. Uh, what are your thoughts on Levis? Again, kind of feel like we've flattened out, but where do you stand currently on Houston at number two? Yeah, so we saw the market actually before our last show. It was like plus 380 or so uh, for Will Levis to be the number our number two overall pick. We played that officially. And then now we're looking at Will Levis to be minus 140 to be the number two overall pick. And I think at this point, like, 
you know, plus 380 implied odds are around 25%. You know, I think all of us were kind of looking at probably closer to 60% uh, of Will Levis being the pick. And so now you're looking at uh, right around there, around minus 140. Uh, and the odds continue to move that way. The mainstream media, for some reason, just has no inclination that this is the case. We're hearing otherwise behind the scenes. Now, that being said, I think that that's generally concerning. You know, like with some of our other instances where we've gone against uh, the mainstream media, you know, we've had a guy like in the draft room or like someone that we're like, this is happening. You know, like we have multiple people saying this. I feel pretty good about our sources, but I don't not sure I feel good enough to go against every single national reporter the entire time. Now, my issue is, is there's not really a good way to hedge right now. So if they don't go quarterback, uh, is it Tyree? Is it Will Anderson? Is somehow CJ Stroud still on their board? Like those are questions that we don't really have answers yet. Uh, and so I'm fine with where we're at. You know, we have a Levis tick two ticket at plus 380. I'm also fine with potentially hedging out if we get more clarity on any of it, because I think that the Texans just seem to be doing their own thing. And like, they don't seem to be conforming to anything. Kind of what Scott mentioned too. So thankfully we're in a spot where we beat the market. We're in a good spot here holding the, the Levis tickets, but now it's about how we adjust new information because I'm not fully take locked on Levis at two right now. I'm not either, uh, but I do really like it. And I do think some of the reporting that we've uh, the source stuff that we got that made us fire on it makes me feel pretty good about it because I think that leads to what we're getting in terms of what you're hearing from the Peter Schrager's of the world or Daniel Jeremiah's is that they are, undecided. And to me, that kind of matches some of the other reporting that we're getting is that there are multiple teams exploring the option who have also become enamored with Will Levis through this process. And I, that was kind of my original pushback months ago when I was like, hey, Will Levis is priced off market in terms of first quarterback off the board, partially because like he, he had Liam Cohen at Kentucky. Cone came from Sean McVay and you were going to get Will Levis in these meetings and he was going to go up on the whiteboard and he was going to talk NFL offense in a way that was different than a CJ Stroud uh, in a way that's probably even different than an Anthony Richardson. And I'm not surprised that some teams have kind of become enamored with it. The S2 stuff has worked very well in Will Levis's favor. So um, now again, people will poke holes in the prospects. I think they all have their flaws for sure, without a doubt, but I think some of the unknown, that's kind of coming up with like they're comfortable taking a defender from the Texan side. It's like, we might trade out of that. So uh, we did do a good job at somewhat convincing Scott, who was definitely more than on the fence uh, on Friday's show and getting on board with us at the plus three eighty. And I think partially to Connor's point, it was a, a number play too, but uh, Scott, have you heard anything or kind of where are you out on the Texans Levis? Uh, and then again, the Tyree and Will Anderson thing too, because it's kind of where we're at still. So I think there's a couple of different ways to think about it whenever we're talking about Houston. Um, essentially, there's four players. I think Stroud may be a bit on the outside um, looking in. But I feel like it's really only one of two players. And the other player that I'm leaning towards is Will Anderson, who's sitting at plus 350 right now on DraftKings. So if you kind of wanted to hedge and you had a unit on Will Levis and a unit on Will Anderson, if it hit on one of those two, you're still going to come out positive on, on either one of those plays. So... I think when you start looking at, at just the Alabama connections, like within the, the Houston management and front office between the coach, the the GM, you know, just all the way across the board. And then the rumors have come out that Will Anderson has a, a near perfect grade. Um, but I think you can look at it from that side if they don't go Levis. If it is Levis, it, 
the, the argument for that is that they're not going to have a chance to get Levis again. It, it, they would have to per- trade up from 12, possibly to three, to, to come all the way up. And there's, there's, no, there's no telling that Indianapolis or one of these other teams don't already have a deal in play with Arizona to where if player X is on the board, that, that's an automatic push it through and the trade's done like it's a a handshake agreement like if that scenario plays out so there's a lot of things that can happen I I tend to think along the logic that a team does not have a direction if they don't have a quarterback and there's there's no way to go ahead and and say that 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 Houston's going to be right back in the mix even if they don't draft a quarterback next year to to go ahead and and be in the play for one of these other quarterbacks that you're going to have at the top of the board next year. That's that's just a lot of unknown as to a, a bunch of things that can happen. So for me, I, I think 99 people out of 100 within that Houston you know office can can go ahead and and be in on not taking Levis and you know the the people that have the bottom line to deal with and, and selling tickets and all that you're not going to have a fan base get behind a team that doesn't have a direction and doesn't have a quarterback. So I do tend to lean a little bit more towards Levis. And that's, you know, within my, the last exercise of the mock draft that I released today, it reflects Levis going at two. Yeah. Connor, the the thing with them addressing the quarterback at 12 is that you are basically saying I'm okay throwing my hands up and allowing two division rivals to make their choice ahead of me. Uh, and then we'll just take whatever's left. And I think that that's a very, very flawed way of thinking. Um, and it'd be really kind of strange to me for them to to trade up from 12 after having the option of your guy at two. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Miko put it out in his mock uh, with with uh, the Texans. It's like we have three historical examples of teams, you know, having two first-round picks and always choosing the quarterback at the first pick. Uh, I mean, the Giants are the most recent one, you know, because everyone was like, oh, they can probably get Daniel Jones. It's, you know, 17 or whatever it was. I think it was like 6 and 17. They picked him at 6 because the risk just far outweighs the reward of that whole scenario because, of course, you know, if you – are running a bunch of simulations like, yeah, more often than not, maybe you can get Will Levis or maybe you can trade up to get Will Levis, but you're only doing this once. There's only one opportunity. You don't have any like buybacks. If the Texans don't get a quarterback here, what are they doing? You know, like they don't really have many other opportunities here. Maybe it's like they have to overpay for a Trey Lance who, you know, I I mean, I guess you can sell like tickets off that because at least there's some hope, but you know, it's, it's just something that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, I think. And it's more of like, we as outsiders think, Oh, well, all the mocks have him here, you know, in my fantasy draft, I can trade up. Like it just doesn't happen in the real, like NFL draft like that. The Trey Lance stuff is the only thing that I have. That's giving me trepidation on Will Levis. Um, I think the reporting that I trust that we have sourced is that Will Levis is clearly their guy. If in terms of non Bryce quarterbacks at two and the ties to Trey Lance make a lot of sense. You know, obviously the you know, offensive coordinator, you know, the coaching staff from San Francisco. That's the only thing that gets in the way for me with the Will Levis stuff. Um, I feel, again, uh, it's just a, a source that's been really rock solid uh, for a couple of years in a few different ways and feel pretty solid about that. So um, I'm going to bounce around because we've been typically running. We'll spend, you know, two and a half hours talking about the top 10. Um, some other big movement has been in the running back position. We've had both Peter Schrager. Uh, and Todd McShay and their recent reports, both, you know, on good morning football and today with some of the stuff that, that uh, McShay's put out that basically reads like, Oh, we're getting over one and a half. We're getting Jamar Gibbs 
at the tail end of round one. We're coming off of probably within the last 48 hours that under one and a half running backs is like minus 500 or something like that, Scott. So um, you have, again, been the, you know, out of the three of us have been the most recent to put pen to paper for a mock draft. Uh, talk to me about Jameer Gibbs. You know, throughout this this entire draft process, it's been Bijan Robinson and a huge gap. Um, all of the the evaluation reports that I've read, you you have Jameer Gibbs who compares similar to an Alvin Kamara, um, that type of player. You, you start digging in and looking into his advanced metrics, and, and you know there's con- some, some concern about his tackle breaking ability. You know his his start stop is really like the best trait that he has as far as being able to to go ahead and break things um he is getting a a bit of juice here to to go ahead and and go at the the end of the first round but i start looking at at buffalo it's one of the teams and dallas is the other team that that he's kind of been linked to and and i don't see a fit with either one of those two teams i think there's a lot of of you know, rollover with with specifically in Dallas and and what they they have at running back already, um, and, and you know you, you have other other analysts out there and evaluators that that have Zach Charbonnet as the number two running back in this draft. You know, and he's he's more of a three down player. Um, you know, can can go ahead and, and take the pounding and be a, a true alpha type running back. Um, I, I think. I have seen some evaluations that have Jameer Gibbs as the 15th most value, 15th highest player on some boards. Um, so I, I think there is some smoke there. I just uh, I look at teams and specifically Tampa Bay's had a, a good bit of, of contact with with Gibbs and and even Arizona is another team that uh, I think you could you could look at that maybe would move up and, and move it up a couple of different you know slots to to move into the second excuse me the first round, but. I just think we we've hit and harped so much on Bijan Robinson and uh, the value of, of drafting a running back in the first round, and it doesn't make sense to me from a value standpoint to go ahead and not only draft the running back up in the first round, but to give up extra picks and extra extra assets to move into the first round to do so. Yeah, very well said. What do you got here, Connor? Yeah, so if you go through the teams here at the back half of the first round, and we're looking at by the way, this is like basically even now. We're looking at plus one thirty on under. Uh, one and a half running backs at FanDuel, I believe. Uh, yeah, I mean, or it's, it's about even money, basically. Everywhere. DraftKings, FanDuel, Bet Rivers all has it up here. But if you look at the teams at the bottom half of the first round, I'm not sure I fully buy it. Uh, I mean, Chiefs at 31 don't strike me as a team that would ever do that again. The Eagles may be at 30. Uh, Dallas at 26. Maybe Buffalo at 27. I mean, it's, I know all it takes is one year, but I mean, I don't know. Like, when I'm doing these mock drafts, even before this news came out, I was trying to start to like fill in the back half of my mock draft. I mean, there's 20 guys who have our quote unquote first round locks with like the last 10 picks. Uh, I don't know. Like I, for me, it's just one of those things that it's not a valuable position. The guy is, you know, I think good, but like, I wouldn't, I don't know if he's like that specialty deserves first round caliber quality. I'll let it get steamed. If it gets to like significant plus money, uh, I'll be taking the under. I mean, if we had gotten a no on Jameer Gibbs a week ago, I mean, it would have been like minus 200, probably minus 300. And now it basically gotten, was in the yeah. one and a half market. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. And we've gotten a couple of reports lately saying that, you know, oh, like he's a lock. I don't know. It just to me, it seems like there's been too many other guys that have also said the same thing that just because we're told this now and because he's a running back, everyone's all excited about him going in the first round. Yeah, it's hard to chase the number where it's at now. Uh, but again, you know, like we talk about 
some of the national reporters that we trust when it comes from the same when it's coming in the same day from McShay and Peter Schrager. I think it's you know the movement makes sense and it's something that we should be respecting as much as it feels like it flies in the face of things that make sense to us. That to me is a perfect transition to the quarterback position, which you know we've been you know. I think we've kind of all been anti pendant hooker in round one uh, based on previous shows. The drumbeat guys is something that's just getting very hard to ignore in similar spot where, you know, basically even again, shop your odds uh, as we record, there's, you know, might be minus 122 on one side. It's, it's basically the expectation and based off of Hendon hookers over under on a few books too. He's right on the cusp. Uh, in terms of where he's been booked too. So uh, Scott, I'll go back to you on the Hendon hooker thing. We've been no, but like, we just keep hearing from national reporters. Yes, uh, it's hard to find a home though, but I would love your thoughts here. So I think it's definitely going to have to be. I mean, you're talking 23 is Minnesota maybe, and if it's not that, it really has to be a, a, a trade-up. Um, like for me, I, I'm against it. It just doesn't make sense to me as far as a player that you know is going to have to redshirt basically his, his rookie year, and so you're play, you're playing paying a premium to move up to the first round to get an extra year out of a guy who's not going to be part of your team and not going to going to add anything to the team as far as being able to compete within 2023 and possibly even 2024. Um, however, my thoughts aside. There, there's a lot of smoke and it's coming from the, the right sources and it's coming from a lot of sources as far um, I, I've been on a record that I'm completely against it from a philosophy, strategic team building standpoint. And I, I don't think it makes sense at all. Um, and whenever I look at my model right now of where I have him, his, his average comes in at pick 33.08. So that's right there on the cusp, the, you know, the first pick or two after. Um, as a matter of fact, his average at, equals out to pick 32 uh, just behind Emmanuel Forbes, which is basically the 31st player on my board. So, I mean, it's in the range and where there's smoke, there's usually a little bit of fire. So I, I think, you, you know, you can start looking at this line and it lo it's looking more and more like it's going to happen no matter how much we're against it. And that's what this is about, right? I mean, we are uh, trying to – Make smart bets. We're trying to build uh, as accurate as possible mock drafts. Uh, we, you know, the team stuff we'll start doing in the weeks after the draft is done. Uh, again, bring home the points, Connor. Twenty-five coming off of an ACL, you're redshirting him. So basically, the first time you're actually going to really get a look to see if he's your guy, he's going to be twenty-six. We are tiptoeing into Brandon Weeding territory here, which felt like a mistake that teams wouldn't make a second time. Uh, again, an offense that hasn't translated to the NFL very well. It's kind of a one side of the field read, spread, very, very unique offense. What are your thoughts? Again, it's, it doesn't stop. Yeah, it's just not a bet I'm willing to take at this point. When there's like three weeks of reporters saying, uh, you know, that they're going to see another quarterback in the first round, it's not just a bet I'm willing to take. And the payout's just not enough. Like if we're getting like plus 300, plus 400 on no quarterbacks, and sure, yeah, I'd be interested in maybe sweating this out. But at like plus 150, I don't know. I'm just not really like you know, when we consider going against like national reporters, I think that the payout just has to be right. You know, like if we trust our sources as much as we want, and we saw that with Paolo, you know, again, we were getting like massive plus money. The market shifted there. We trusted our sources because we had, you know, we were able to get down a lot on a significant edge against the market. Now at this point, like we're just not, it's like, you know, an even money bet that I would just prefer not to bet against everyone who's saying that Hennon Hooker is a first round pick. And it's Hendon Hooker, the sweat you really want to have dripping on draft night, you know? Yeah, every trade-up, oof. 
when you when you look at it, there there are players on the back end that you could go ahead and, and take a stand on that this is my guy and this is who I'm leaning on that's going to go in the first round, um, other than Hendon Hooker. So there are some other number numbers out there. Um, I mean, you, you you've got a, a handful of different guys that that you could go ahead and 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 you know put your plant your flag in the ground and say this is my guy that I'm rolling with and get better numbers on. Yeah. Uh, Hayden brought up here. He asked, uh, where's Levis ranked on the board? The reference. I know Hayden and uh, Josh do great work over at underdog. Hayden has been a notorious, uh, you know, not a fan of Levis throughout the process here and was one of the original people saying that he might fall, which is very, very reasonable considering everything we know about Will Levis. Um, but Scott, I don't know if you have any insight there into where he is ranked on the board that you have. Yeah, currently he's uh, the model has him at 10.46. There you go. It's uh, significantly lower than consensus of where he's probably going to go in the draft at this point, it seems like. huh? The floor is four. We know the floor is four. I also feel that that's, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that reporting is also very strong. Um, if he happened to be passed up on by the Texans, that he is the play for the Colts. Now, people telling us that the Colts don't want to take a quarterback, that's fine. Um, I think ownership is getting involved in both of these spots. So, um, you know, while the GMs might want to, uh, take other players and might not have a clear cut there. I feel like those are quarterback teams. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, and one, just one, one quick thing on, on Levis that, you know, part of my model, not only adds in consensus boards, but also like mock drafts and specifically like team needs and stuff like that. And the, the biggest thing that's waiting will Levis down is going to be his evaluation, which sits around 18 on a lot of the consensus boards. So when you add that in to, to where he's being mocked and, and start to, kind of hit on on some of the things that are modeled that's what's going to go ahead and put him at 10 which kind of puts him in no man's land as far as like the draft goes and, and you could kind of see him maybe going there to to Tennessee but if he doesn't get picked at two I, I he's most certainly going to get picked at four I I just don't see Indianapolis passing on Will Levis to go Anthony Richardson or one of these other guys yeah though totally agree and, and one other thing here too that I didn't want to miss uh that was at the top of the show uh, Cameron Resnick brought up Paris Johnson plus 3,300 for first non QB. So this, uh, third pick with the Cardinals here, and that's what it would have to be. So, I mean, there's been rumors coming out that the Cardinals want an offensive tackle. And I believe that I fully do believe that just based on their visits, based on just everything that they want. Uh, but I think that it's in a trade back scenario. So I have a hard time believing that they'd stay at three and pick Paris Johnson over Tyree Wilson. If he's there. But maybe in a situation where it goes Bryce Young and then Will Anderson two, or uh, then uh, Tyree Wilson two, and then at the third pick there with the choice between Will Anderson or Paris Johnson. I mean, the reports behind the scenes are that they don't really like Will Anderson at all. And you know, I think in that situation, maybe Paris Johnson would be in consideration. So I don't hate thirty three to one, but. I mean, you kind of have to like galaxy brain your way there a little bit. Like it has to be a very specific situation. Something I do like with this situation though is Cardinals staying as offensive lineman is like plus 250 in some spots because I think if they do trade back, which I consider to still be likely, I think they're very, very focused on getting an offensive lineman. So that's it. Uh, I think DraftKings right now, most other books had it. They're pulling it off, uh, you know, putting it on off and on here with kind of the news shifting. But I think anything above like, you know, plus 150, there's a really good look because based on everything we've heard, I think they want to draft an offensive lineman. And that pick is more valuable if Will Levis goes two, right? Theoretically, there's a, a spot for teams to move up and have, a, you know, the incentive and gives you more options. And again, if I'm on the Cardinals, you, you can look at whatever trade chart you want. 
the old school Jimmy Johnson stuff, whatever. You take 50 cents on the dollar on the trade chart to move out to get anything extra. That roster is barren of talent on both sides of the ball. You kick the tired, you know, you can down the road for next year. You're really going to make probably at least eight, nine games without Kyler Murray this year. You need to add talent and you need to get more picks uh, and more people in the building. So, you know, even if it's not, a, you know, it's not going to be something received well on social when the trade cart chart comes out and they tell you how much they should have got for that, like take something, get down and get out of that spot. So uh, I'll be interested there. Very to a quarterback. Um, and again, I feel like that's been, he's talking about that if they mail it in this year, they need a lot of help. Like, I feel like that's been where kind of an easy Hendon Hooker mock was early in the process. I've been fairly adamant. I don't think that the Vikings are staying there and making that pick. Now, again, there are a lot of trade down teams and very few trade up teams, but again, the Vikings have five picks in the entire draft. I think they would love to uh, get some cornerback help. Uh, um, Maybe a wide scene there, uh, just taking four other players in the draft and adding Hendon Hooker is uh, a smart thing that we should expect. I think an analytically forward general manager is going to do. The other thing that I would note specifically on the Vikings going quarterback is that if the Vikings are indeed interested in Hendon Hooker and other teams are getting news and notes of it, then Baltimore only has like five or six picks this year. Baltimore is a prime spot for a team to trade up. And if it's for Hendon Hooker and teams are worried about the Vikings, it would be in front of the Vikings probably to do so. So that's one of the teams that I would look at. But, you know, I just don't see the Vikings in a weak NFC going ahead and punting a first round pick to, to go ahead and, and, and not compete. Yeah, no, that's yeah a good that point. makes a lot of sense there. Connor, go ahead and talk to me about tight ends. We've had a lot of shifting stuff with Dalton Kincaid, uh, his medicals. We have some Darnell Washington medical issues. Um, the That number has moved quite a bit. We've been you know, waiting for it to maybe get to a spot where it's bettable, and now it's kind of shifting away from us. Um, I think under is definitely probably a fair bet, especially if you're adding a fifth quarterback and a second running back. Um, but I feel like who the guys are, I feel like I would be interested in under one and a half at this point, depending on the price. What are your thoughts on the tight end position? Yeah, it's it's tough because I definitely liked under two and a half. I was looking at it this morning because as soon as we got the news uh, from, I don't remember who exactly released it, but you know Darnell Washington like failed some of his uh, medicals and some teams flunked him outright, and that's a big deal here for a guy who was kind of already fringed. For, you know, was known as a better blocker, but obviously his upside as a player in general. Uh, I mean, we're looking at like minus two hundred, minus two fifty, half tight ends. I just don't think that there's. I would probably still lean under there. Honestly, I don't think we see three, but just, I mean, we tried it the other night. We did our mock draft the other night and we're sitting there with five picks left and none of the tight ends have come off the board. I mean, now in that situation, obviously I would probably go back and change my mock draft and probably put someone else in there at earlier slots. But just given the exercise that we did, you know, whatever, five of us at a time, like it was tough to tough to find a spot for three tight ends. So for me, I would like under still here, even at like minus 200. I think that's a decent look. Yeah, we laid down for Daigle, but it's definitely not something that I think any of us wanted to do. Uh, Scott, where are you at on the, the tight end situation? Yeah, I think whenever you start looking at it, um, you know, Dalton Kincaid's 24 years old, basically. hasn't He's been dealing with a back injury throughout this entire process. Um, you know, he, he has gotten cleared for some of the medicals and, and stuff. But, you know, I, I think you're, you're looking at those two. And, and even with Kincaid, you, you've got some guys like Jeremiah that are way high on him, has him as a, a top 10 player in this draft. And you've got some other people that are a bit lower on him um, because he's a little bit limited as a blocker. Um, 
that the injury and the age incomplete workouts throughout the entire process i tend to tend to think that michael mayer is going to end up being the first tight end off the board ahead of kincaid and there's there's a number of spots that it can be you know talking all the way from 13 with uh green bay now all the way down to to the end of the draft it, like it's it's hard to pinpoint some of those teams uh you're, you're talking about maybe the chargers maybe detroit like there, there's a lot of different places that that either one of these guys can go and fall at really hard to mock any of the tight ends right now so uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Connor. I mean, I'm fairly solid on the under two and a half. If you can still find it somewhere, maybe find a stalish line, um, uh, getting to some of the team position matchups or even player matchups. Um, again, shop these because there are offerings on DraftKings, Caesars, FanDuel, your PPH might have some out there as well. Some different prices out there. Um, I have a handful that I jotted down, but I would love to get your thoughts, guys, of anything that jumps out to you in terms of, you know, matching, like I said, either a player or a team positional stuff. Uh, Connor, do you have any nuggets you want to share? Yeah, there's one that I thought was interesting later back in the draft. Uh, Bengals first pick uh, corner. That's like uh, plus 280 Caesars, plus 250. Uh, and I don't know, the the birds are chirping that the Bengals are interested in a corner uh, with one of their picks. And I thought that at a little bit more than, you know, two and a half to one, uh, that it was a good look there. Uh, you know, otherwise I think that tight end could be in play for them, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but these tough like later ones, it's a little bit tougher, but I think it, you know, again, like over plus 200, it's, it's a fine look if you, if you get a little bit of information, which I feel like we have. So. Yeah. Like the Bengals look, it's good info there. And you make a good point. I think, especially as you get further down the board, laying chalk on some of this stuff gets really hard to do because there are yeah. just so many different moving pieces and, and things that can uh, can alter some of these too. Scott, is there anything that uh, that you had you wanted to share? Yeah, some of the big information that's come out over the last uh, day or two is, you know, Peter Schrager is one of the guys that you definitely have to listen to. And one of the things that he talked about this morning was that the, the news that he got over the week was that Jalen Carter doesn't make it past pick six. Um, when you start looking at, at matching specifically a, a player to a position, uh, Jalen Carter to go, I think, to – Let's see, pick five is plus 600 and pick six at plus 380. So I, I like, you know, dropping a unit on either one of those two. I, I think, you know, getting a chance to him to go there at five or six is definitely something I'm going to be willing to take a little bit of a stab on. At the same spot, I don't know if you guys saw it. So uh, McShay had said that Detroit is the absolute end of a CJ Stroud run as well, which I think is very interesting. Um, I think we've all kind of been back and forth in terms of what would Indy do if Levis is off the board at two? Is that a Stroud or is that an Anthony Richardson thing? And, you know, I lean Anthony Richardson, but I, again, I we don't have that sourced out. Um, so that's more conjecture than anything. But what do you think of that, Connor, the Stroud to, to Detroit at six? We've also seen Josh Norris talk about, I'm going to be a, a, you know, Lions draft a quarterback guy at some point here. Yeah, I think that at six, there's two interesting, like kind of fun ways to play it. I think Will Anderson and CJ Stroud both are like six, seven to one to 10 to one. I mean, I think it's very reasonable CJ Stroud could fall out of the top four or five picks there if his Colts or his with his visit with the Colts went as bad as it, we thought it did at four. If Seattle's not interested in drafting a quarterback or just isn't interested in CJ Stroud because they didn't possess the same kind of athletic upside that they're looking for, I uh, could easily be there at six for them. And you just said that Peter Schrager. Uh, you know, mentioned that they would stop the slide there. Will Anderson, on the other hand, I think also likewise, if four quarterbacks go in the top five and you're looking at Tyree Wilson being the top pick of Seattle, uh, I mean, he's sitting there at six. I don't know if he necessarily matches exactly what the Lions want, but 
I think kind of like Aiden Hutchinson, you know, they'll just run up to the board because he's their best player on the board and fits with a lot of what they want culturally and would just be a great addition from day one. So again, these are these long shots get eaten up here pretty quick. So like we're looking at anything above like plus 200 plus 300 is like, I think, you know, has that has any kind of legs is, is worth talking about. So we're looking at Will Anderson plus 750 on FanDuel to be the six pick CJ Stroud, 12 to one on FanDuel to be the six pick. So, uh, not necessarily souring on Witherspoon, but I think that there are other ways where someone else gets selected before him and a quarterback or a player who's considered a consensus top three pick outside of quarterback position would definitely potentially take priority over Witherspoon. And two things on that too, that I think are interesting. So the Witherspoon thesis applies to the Raiders as well. Uh, the Raiders, I think they ran, I th believe top seven man rate, which has kind of been our thoughts too. just schematically thought that there would be a better fit for the lions do uh, for Witherspoon. Uh, I feel like that also applies to the Raiders. Um, we have some Intel um, that the Raiders are interested in a cornerback as well at seven, which I think is interesting. I'm waiting for a little bit more confirmation on that in the next 24 hours or so, but that's possible. Um, and then the dominoes that can fall there with six is then it becomes very interesting to me that, that we want to, seems like we want to give the Lions a corner in round one. Um, that makes the 18 pick a little bit easier in terms of moving the pieces around that can impact Joey Porter jr. That can impact Deontay banks in terms of where we slot those guys thinking that the lions, again, not having any corners on the roster after 2023, other than cam Sutton, who they just added everyone else is, you know, kind of on the final end of their deal. Um, that makes it a little bit easier. If some of these things start to piece together. And that's again, how we have to kind of read some tea leaves and, and piece some of these things together, Scott. So what are your thoughts on the corners there at the end or how that can impact Detroit's second pick. Yeah, I think uh, the way the board falls, specifically with the high-end, um, you know, prospects that you have there in the, in, in the top 10, I just, it feels like it's a little bit easier for, you know, Detroit to have some flexibility with that 18th pick and how they want to go ahead and address things. And with the high-end talent, if you would have one of these quarterbacks, if you would have Jalen Carter go ahead and, and, and drop there, I think it's a little easier to go ahead and pass on a guy like Devin Witherspoon, who they may love, but you, you're still going to have some other options there. And I think positionally, the gap in talent might not be as big as far as how they're grading these players on the board. So uh, I definitely think that the Lions are in play for either of these quarterbacks or, like I said, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, any of those guys, should they drop there to him? Still feel good about uh, Witherspoon first corner off the board, uh, less locked into Witherspoon being in the Lions pick, depending on how the board falls. So, um, and as Connor mentioned, 10 to one is available on DraftKings for the Lions to take a, a quarterback, which I think is, is interesting. Yeah. There's also, uh, I think McShay or someone talked about Atlanta being the most likely spot uh, to have a corner come off the board, which I found very interesting that he used such strong language uh, regarding that because I think a lot of us had penciled them or just kind of crossed off corner after they traded for Jeff Akuda, but then they obviously, uh, you know, had Casey Hayward released. And I think that kind of put them back in the market. And to be frank, I mean, should Jeff Akuda preclude you from ever taking a corner? Probably not. Right. Exactly. So I think that they're in play there. So I think that I mean, obviously, Witherspoon's numbers at six and a half. I mean, maybe a Gonzalez under is worth a play. If you're looking at six, seven, eight, all in play for a corner, I think it's still a little bit thin, but you know, I think that there's some definitely some rationale there. One more thing I wanted to bring up here uh, Antonio Sparza brought up McShay said Seattle is simply not taking Carter. I sent out a tweet earlier today about Jalen Carter's draft stock. Schrager said he won't fall out of the top six. Daniel Jeremiah said he doesn't expect the pick to be for Seattle. 
Tony Pauline said belief is that the Seahawks will target Jalen Carter. Todd McShay said multiple people told him the Seahawks will not pick Jalen Carter. And they had no mention of Carter to the Lions, even with him still on the board in his mock. Peter King has Seattle taking Carter. And Albert Beer said he heard Seattle and Lions both like him. No one knows about Jalen Carter. Uh, from my understanding, behind the scenes, I don't think he goes five or six just based on all the tea leaves and what has been suggested. But I think what Scott said, like you can get like plus 600 on one of those picks. I mean, sure, that's fine. Again, it's plus 600. Like I can be, we can be wrong about those things because there's so many different like reports out there. But I still like our over six and a half at around, I think, minus 130. We're looking at like seven and a half at this point. I don't know. Maybe it's a stay away at this point. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's, you know, this is, it is silly season. Uh, this is definitely a player that teams would want to have someone not locked onto the sense of what they want to do because we're talking about a player with a, if again, open is a massive favor to be the first defensive player off the board for a reason. Um, so, like, it makes sense that teams would want to maybe play media guys against each other to get them off of them being linked to Jalen Carter. So, uh, we are still in silly season uh, a couple others that i wanted to note in terms of team to draft position and again just looking at the not favorites basically as i said especially as we go further down the board i think there are some interesting ones connor mentioned the uh defensive back uh plus 280 on caesars for the uh for uh the Bengals. i think that makes a lot of sense we've all been kind of locked in on the eagles at 10 um basically wanting to add something to the trenches, right? They want to add either an offensive lineman or defensive lineman. Um, it's not really priced that way in the marketplace. Um, it looks like it's a very clear defensive uh, lineman or uh, offensive lineman market. You can get a defensive lineman plus 200 on Caesars to go to the Eagles. And I feel like that that's closer to a coin flip than that would indicate. Um, I've seen increasing noise about the Giants looking to add to the offensive line. That's four to one. Now, again, we're dealing with like a pick down at like 25. So this gets a little bit harder. But again, I feel like we're getting kind of locked into like cornerback um, and some other stuff there. So I think that that one's interesting. And I, again, I will, for the last time, maybe not, we have two more shows this week. Uh, you can still get the Chargers 12 to one to add a corner. And again, I think that they would love to add a receiver here. They probably do. Um, but I think corner is like next and it should not be higher than 12 or 10. Um, so 12 to one, still get a corner. You know, we were talking about that at 25 a couple of weeks ago. I still think that is very, very much in play uh, and a, probably a pretty bad number. So that is available on DraftKings charges to take a uh, cornerback at 12 to one. That's all I got. We want to keep it a little bit shorter because we're going to do three shows this week. Uh, and again, you know, we're still, still sore from the two and a half hours uh, on Friday of doing a, a marathon we were going to do a second mock draft. We were going to do a second top 12. Uh, we would have been here for three hours. They would have been, uh, it had been, we need to get food catered. It was getting messy, but uh, Connor, anything else for the people before we wrap up the uh, Monday show? Uh, last little bit here can be right now offering Anthony Richardson five and a half plus money on the under. Uh, I really like that. I mean, again, the limits are garbage, so it's not like can't be an official play, but uh, I, th I think that there's a good chance Seahawks take him, even if, uh, a couple other guys are there on the board. So I like that under. Yeah. And I still like, I still think the Colts are in play if Levis is off the board. Uh, right. Anything else for you, Scott? For now, just going to be chasing down a lot of these rumors, um, looking at some of the, the, the tuned in media and kind of adjusting the process over the next two days. Um, interested in uh, our show tomorrow. Supposed to have Nick Warisco on. He's really tuned in and chasing down a, a lot of these rumors and a lot of info for every team um you, you know you're talking to a lawyer who in his last mock draft had 13,000 word piece so i um, interested to get some of his takes on, on some of this stuff and uh 
you know, I dropped the mock draft today. Uh, just to be clear, when I do these, a lot of times it's an exercise just to kind of throw out some alternate situations of, of what may or may not happen. Um, the the one thing that I included in this most recent mock draft are, are teams and specific players that I think are linked. So be on the lookout for for those guys that are in consideration at each team that I have listed. Also go on to 444.com. You can check out John Dick's thoughts. I dropped a free piece, 10 mock draft there. I'll come on Tuesday, and we'll have Anthony Miko joining us on Wednesday before we have to lock in some of those final bets, hit submit on those final mock drafts, and uh, we'll go from there. So a uh, reminder, wherever you're taking in the podcast, like, rate, review, all those things, uh, like on the video helps us share the video. It's draft betting. Share it with your friends. Winning draft bets together is the best way to do it. Uh, we appreciate that. And again, head over to 444.com slash plans for a betting subscription or download Vivid in the app store, Vivid Picks. Promo code 444BETS, five, five, I'm sorry, 444BETS, no less. $5 minimum deposit, you can get a three-month betting subscription. So for Connor and Scott and Ryan, we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.